Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Go from dragging yourself to work each day to finding a job you love. The Career Spring program is for high-achieving and ambitious mid-level professionals like you who are looking for a job that uses your zone of genius, recognizes your value, and pays you what you're worth. If you're ready to learn more, schedule a complimentary consult using the link to my calendar in the show notes. Be sure to follow me on Exclusive Career Coaching on Facebook, Lisa Edwards on LinkedIn, and Lisa.Edwards on Instagram. Greetings. Happy April, guys. Today's topic, we're going to talk about transitioning from managing yourself to managing your others. And I'm relying heavily on the Leadership Pipeline book by Charon et al. In this book, they go through six leadership passages, the first of which is that going from being an individual contributor to managing others. And that's what we're going to be covering in this episode. The biggest change when you become a first-time manager is the shift that you need to make between thinking really focused on yourself and to begin thinking about others. And it's not to say that you've been a selfish narcissist prior to becoming a manager, but your focus wasn't on the productivity of others, how to lead them to better performance, or how all of the members of the team fit together into a cohesive unit. And now that is a primary focus of your work. And I want to make a note that by the book's definition, you are a first line manager if at least half of your time is spent managing the work of others. So most likely you have more than just a couple of direct reports to be considered this first line manager. And as an individual contributor, your skills are number one, technical and professional proficiency. So doing the work you were hired to do to the best of your ability, whatever that is. Also, being a team player, relationship building for personal benefits. For the most part, you're developing friendships and collegial working environment relationships. Also, using company tools, processes, and procedures. You want to know what's available to support the work you do, as well as the rules and regulations. So that's as an individual contributor. Your time is spent doing the following. First of all, we have daily discipline. So when you arrive and when you leave based on written and unstated rules of the company and meeting personal due dates for projects, you're going to, for the most part, manage your own time. And your work value includes getting results through personal proficiency. You must do a high quality technical or professional job in order to keep that job. As you transition into a first-time manager, your skills become planning. So you're managing budgets, projects, your workforce, selection of team members, job design. So understanding the strengths of your team members and the goals of your unit so that you can divide the work up, structure the job duties and responsibilities in the best possible way. And delegation of work. You can no longer do everything by yourself and you shouldn't be trying to do everything by yourself. So you have to see yourself in a new light as someone who gets work done through others. And I worked recently, I wrapped up a six-month engagement with a client who was in that role as a first-time manager. And it was a real struggle for her 
because she had to see her achievement at work in a different way. It wasn't, here's this report you wanted, and I'm really proud of the work I did. And because she wasn't producing as much tangible result, you know, that she could touch and taste and see and feel and hear, she wasn't as satisfied with the job. So a lot of what we did was reframing her success in her role in a different way. So what you're also doing is you're managing and evaluating the performance of others. You're giving coaching and feedback. You're thinking about rewards and motivation. You're communicating. You are facilitating the culture, whether that is a culture passed down from on high or the culture that you individually want to bring into your unit. You're building relationships up, down, sideways for the unit's benefit. So now it's not so much about me and getting known throughout the company. It's more about how can I support the unit? If I think about the client that I just mentioned, one of the things that brought her a great deal of success as we redefined how to measure and how to see success in our new role was for her to go out to other units in this large organization and advocate for the services that her department provided. So people understood what they could do and how they could help. And she got a lot of satisfaction from that aspect of her new role. And also acquisition of resources. So part of your job is, you know, dealing with budgets, people, tools. I remember when I was in graduate school that one of the most profound realizations, and I don't remember what class it was, probably a budgeting finance class in my MPA, Master of Public Administration degree, was understanding that my role as the director of the Career Center at Truman State University or Columbus State University or wherever I was going to be, was not so much to care about what was going on in the health clinic or in public safety or in student you know, activities or any of those other departments. I was to be advocating zealously for the career center and for my staff and ultimately, in that case, for the students that we served. In terms of your time as a first-time manager, you're dealing with things like annual planning for priorities, projects, budgets, that kind of thing. You're making regular time to meet with team members, and regular is so important, hopefully for most companies. I'd like to think that the day of you know annual performance reviews, and that's the last time we talk about it, is long gone. I know it still exists, and I hate it. But having that regular time, so whether it's regularly scheduled time, whether it's time that you drive because you need to work with that individual or they request time to work with you, you need that flexibility in your schedule. And we're going to talk about that reality in a moment. Setting priorities for the unit and your team and communication. So you're communicating maybe with other units in the business, maybe customers, suppliers, whatever it may be. Your work values as a first-time manager then become getting results through others. So again, that's that big shift of it's not me doing it. I'm doing, I'm getting results, but it's through the work of others. The success of my direct reports becomes of paramount importance to me. Managerial work and discipline. So all the administrative stuff that oftentimes you don't realize, you know, how tedious that is and how maybe time consuming it is until you get in the role. The success of the unit and seeing yourself and behaving, showing up as a manager rather than that individual contributor. And finally, visible integrity. Your team and others across the organization 
can see that you are to be trusted to follow through on your commitments and promises. So you develop that reputation throughout the organization for doing whatever it is you say you will do. So in a nutshell, when I boiled this down, I saw three significant changes. And one is you are now defining and assigning work to others. Next, you are supporting others in their work. So you're you're providing them with the tools, the resources, the knowledge, whatever it is they need to do the things you've asked them to do. And then finally, you are establishing and cultivating relationships to serve your unit, your people, your services, whatever it may be. So what does a clogged leadership pipeline look like at this level? So that's one of the kind of three points in this book, The Leadership Pipeline, is as he talks about these seven stages of of leadership, what does a clogged pipeline look like at that point? And at this first level, line manager level, it's high stress among the leader's individual contributors. So they become overwhelmed and they think their boss isn't doing much at all to help them. And, you know, they're they're just kind of, there's no direction, there's no organization. So a couple of examples. So the manager might view questions as interruptions. So I talked earlier about having regular meeting time with your employees. And especially if you are back in the office or some of your people are in the office, you might have people dropping in to ask questions, go over something with you, whatever. There's a huge difference between having a quote unquote open door policy and actually being an open door. So think about how your body language, does it invite that conversation with a direct report or does it kind of repel it? You know, maybe your door is open, but when they walk in, you don't pick your head up from whatever it is you're doing. You want to make time for them and show that, you know, you don't have to seem like you're thrilled that they walk in your door, that you've just been waiting for them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this is important. You've chosen to come in and you have something to talk to me about. And if it turns out that that there's a particular employee who seems to come to you with too many things, then there's some behavior shaping that might need to happen. But in general, you want to start with a very open door, open body language to so-called interruptions. The second thing that might happen is the manager might fix the mistakes rather than teaching them to do the work. And I just did an episode a few weeks ago on changing behavior in yourself and others. And so I highly recommend that episode. I worked with a client last year who was managing a gigantic project, like a $1 billion project. And his kind of tendency was he he had a belief that his employees weren't engaged and weren't trying and you know, weren't putting much of an effort in. And when he would go into a situation where the work hadn't been done, the report hadn't been completed, whatever it was, He would do it for them. And he got a new boss who then called him on the carpet for doing the work of others and not acting like that manager. So I thought about that. And there's about three noticeable downsides to that. Number one, you're taking your time away. You're taking time away from the things that only you can do to do the work of someone who has been hired to do that work. Right. So your your time is being misspent. When you do it for them, they are not learning how to do it, right? When you're not coaching them through, you know, how to think about the thing, how to approach it, whatever it may be, as opposed to giving them the answers or doing it for them, there's no learning there. And then finally, 
you can think about that and maybe this has happened to you where you've had a boss like that. It decreases your self-confidence. So there is a perpetualism. I just made that word up. A perpetualism about this because as you do their work for them, the message that they're hearing most likely is, I'm not capable of doing this or I'm not capable of doing it to my boss's standards. And so they become even less trusting of their abilities and less willing to give it a try and learn on their own. And then finally, if you are in this leadership, clog leadership pipeline, you may refuse to take ownership of your team's successes and also distance yourself from their problems. Or you may take ownership of their successes, but distance yourself from their problems and failures. And I, I did, this has been, oh gosh, probably a decade or more ago. I worked with a nonprofit I guess a government agency in Missouri where I used to live. And the boss had one version of what was going on. The employees were slackers. They weren't trying, blah, blah, blah. And when I got in there, I what I found as I you know worked with the team without him there was that he wasn't there for them, that they didn't feel supported by him. They felt like he was out for his own interest and to move up the ladder, that kind of thing. And when your team doesn't feel supported or cared about, why should they give it their all? Why should they be engaged when they feel like you are not? So here are the tactics. I've got three of them for unclogging the pipeline at this first line manager. And I also want to talk about if you happen to manage first line managers. So I've kind of got both. And so number one, preparation. So if you're the manager of first time managers, you want to clearly communicate the skills, the time applications, the work values required at this stage, provide them with training. I still, I think on some level, resent 19, I don't know what it was, 1990, let's just say two, when I was thrown into the deep end, becoming the director of the career center. So I was, when I, when I came into the career center, it was the counseling and placement center. I was under the director of the counseling placement center. She was a psychologist. We had a state evaluation team for career services come in and look at our outfit and recommend to the president of the university that that be separated out. That's the standard now. You don't much see counseling and placement put together. And so I all of a sudden became the director of the career center. I had never managed anyone. I had been a coordinator and I had no training. And immediately after, not long after at all, I was evaluated and I felt very, oh, I don't know, like I was set up for failure because I hadn't gotten that training and yet I was getting bad marks for how I you know, led the team. I I didn't know what I was doing. So as a manager, first time managers, make sure you provide both the expectations, goals, but also the tools and resources that your first line managers need. And if you're the first time manager, ask questions around these areas to find out what support you'll be given. Heck, I would do that before I accepted the job. You know, are you going to support me or are you throwing me into the deep end? If your boss is waffles, nothing's offered in-house, you're like, I don't know, then make sure you can access outside training, right? So if he says, well, we don't have anything here for you, what's the budget for me to get the managerial training that I need? Not is there a budget, but what's the budget? 
because how can they possibly expect you to be successful without that training? Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for for failure. So think about it from that perspective. You don't want to step into that role that is, you know, bootstrap, hope you can swim kind of situation. You want to be set up for success, not only for that role, but as you move through your career. Number two, monitoring. You want to determine, this is as the first, the manager of the managers, determine where and when someone is having difficulty at this level. Check in with them, especially when they are first in that role. How are you doing? What are you struggling with? What are you, as the manager of the manager, what are you seeing? What are they telling you? Maybe what are the direct reports telling you? If you're the first time manager, Ask how your performance will be evaluated. What are the metrics for success here? How often can we speak? What will that look like? Make sure you have clarity around the monitoring piece. And then finally, intervention. As the manager of first-time managers, provide that regular feedback and coaching to help people make the the transa- transition and, and take action if they're experiencing difficulty in doing so, right? So again, you're monitoring it, you're seeing where the, the shortcomings may be, and you're doing something about it. If you're the first-time manager, ask your boss about how he will provide feedback in this role. It may be very different than, you know, the kind of feedback or the frequency of feedback that you got as a seasoned individual contributor. You know, if you'd been in that role for five, six, seven, eight years, you know, I probably didn't have to supervise you very much, but that doesn't mean you won't need more frequent supervision now in this new role because it is a new role. And you want to make sure that you schedule one-on-one meetings. I did some really good episodes back, oh my gosh, back in the 100s about, you know, the questions to ask your boss when you first meet with them to kind of build that relationship from the beginning and also how to structure your one-on-one meetings, how to make sure they happen, that they don't get canceled, how to make them productive for both you and your boss so that that is a meaningful time commitment and not just something on a calendar that keeps getting moved and and pushed around. In closing, I want to state very clearly that some people do not want and should not want to become first-line managers. They're perfectly happy as individual contributors. They don't want to take on the additional responsibilities of being a manager. And that is great. Like knowing that about yourself and being content where you are is fantastic. If you do, however, want to move up the corporate ladder, your success at this first-line stage is of the utmost importance because it is going to affect every subsequent stage. You know, if you think about this as a structure that you are building, this is a foundational piece. This is right down on the ground level. And if there are faults in this, they are going to become exacerbated and more pronounced the further you move up the ladder, or conversely, you won't be able to move up the ladder. So make sure that there is a structure, systems, tools, resources in place to maximize your chances for success and go for it. You're going to you're going to kill it. I hope this has been helpful and I'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach, so be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.